Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Carrie Gino continues our series on Lessons from Life Stories, looking at the life of Deborah. And now, here's Carrie. Oh, did somebody on Zoom just go, ah, put the mask back on? No. <laughs> Uh, Before we begin, and I open in prayer, let's uh, take a moment to bow our heads in remembrance of uh, those that sacrificed uh, for us in the armed forces. Thank you, Father, for the riches and depth of your word, both the old and the new. Thank you that we can study all of it and learn so much. Teach us how to fully appreciate our place on this side of the cross, living under a new covenant. Show us what this means as we celebrate from cover to cover. Amen. We're continuing our uh, series on life stories, and this morning we'll be studying the story of Deborah. Okay, th- uh, like to thank you, Steve and uh, Vicky, for that uplifting opening. And you're going to see some slides up here. And Steve created them and put a lot of hard work into them, so uh, make sure you give him credit after this, unless you don't like the sermon. Okay. <laughs> and I'd like to thank Steve for doing such a good job on reading Uh, Judges chapter 4, and pronouncing those Old Testament names a lot better than I could have. Judges chapter 5 is known as the Song of Deborah, and it's a poem that rejoices in her victory over the Canaanites. Deborah's courage and wisdom in calling up an army to break Hazor's control gave the Israelites 40 years of peace. Albert Einstein known for his theory of relativity, said something else that may have even greater impact on humanity. He said, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The Jews were in trouble again. You would think that they would learn. Instead, it was an example of mass insanity, as Einstein described it. It was the same old cycle of peace and prosperity, rebellion and punishment, remorse and repentance, restoration and recovery. Then the downward spiral would begin again, and the cycle never seemed to end, and they were in the middle of it once again. In chapter 1 of the book of Judges, they failed to drive out the inhabitants of the land. They forgot God. They served the Baals, they rejected the Lord, and they followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them, and they fell into the hands of their enemies. They cried out to the Lord because they were oppressed by the people around them. The Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of the raiders, and they obeyed God as long as the judges lived. The king of the Canaanites was Jabin, and he reigned in Hazor. The general of the Canaanites was Sisera, 
And that army had 900 iron chariots and cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. So will God's holiness, his demand for obedience to his commands, override his promises to Israel? Or will his binding commitment to that nation, his gracious promises to the patriarchs, mean that he will somehow overlook their sin? As much as theologians may seek to establish the priority of law over grace or grace over law, the book of Judges will not settle this question. The cross of Jesus does. What Judges gives the readers is not a, the, not a theology, but rather a history of a relationship. Judges leaves us with a paradox. God's relationship with Israel is at once both conditional and unconditional. He will not remove his favor, but Israel must live in obedience and faith to inherit the promise. God keeps offering us grace when we mess up. And God's way is way beyond our expectation. God does, and we receive. In Judges, the story of Israel's sin, punishment, deliverance keeps going. Enter Deborah, the only female judge and only one of four women in the Old Testament who is called a prophet. In only two chapters of Judges, chapter 4 and chapter 5, her story is told, first in prose and then in poetry. Now comes a judge that is different from all the others. This judge is a woman. A woman. Can you imagine that? What goes through your mind when I say it like that? A woman. In our, in our culture, that shouldn't sound so unbelievable. We say that a woman can do anything. And as we found out last night, they can. That she has equal rights with men. And though that doesn't get carried out perfectly in reality, we're still a long, far cry from ancient Israel, where women were more or less viewed as property owned by men. In a world of men run by men, it was a bit unusual to have a woman hold such an important post. But God will use anyone who is willing to be used by him. Now, Deborah is only mentioned in these two chapters, Judges 4 and 5. But hers is a powerful story. In these two chapters, we're actually told quite a bit about her. And amongst the things we're told is that she's a prophetess, a judge who used to sit under the palm of Deborah, <clears throat> and the people of Israel came to her for judgment. She was a woman who was used by God. She's described as a mother in Israel. <clears throat> and the entire chapter of Judges, chapter 5, <clears throat> is dedicated to a song of praise she sang to honor the power of God in conquering Israel's enemy. Now, Deborah was an extremely unique judge. She was different than any of the other judges mentioned in this book about judges. For example, unlike several other judges <clears throat> in the book of Judges, there's not a single word of condemnation for, for Deborah. The Bible speaks nothing but praise for her faith and actions in her service to God. And secondly, unlike several of the other judges in the book of Judges, 
she isn't called by God to go to war as a military commander. She does go to battle beside Barak, but she wasn't called to lead the army to war. She went as an encouragement for Barak. As a side note, <clears throat> Barak can be pronounced Barak, whatever Steve pronounced it, and also Barak, but this is no relation to Barack Obama. He may have been named over this. And third, she's the only judge in the book of Judges that behaves even close to what we today would call a judge. People came to her to have her arbitrate their disagreements with one another. Another. Israel faced the harsh oppression of King Jabin and of Hazer and the powerful army led by Sisera. The intimidating description of this Canaanite enemy was that their army had 900 iron chariots. And at that time, iron weapons were advanced technology compared to bronze and stone. A further hint that Israel needed a miracle from God. Deborah, prophet, judge, and leader, is described in our English translation as wife of Lapidoth. But that phrase may also be translated woman of torches. And there is no other mention of her husband in the Bible. Woman of torches is more descriptive of Deborah as God's military torch blazing in the darkness of Israel's oppression. Deborah sent word to her military commander, Barak, for him to report. Then she issued this command. Go and assemble at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the people of Nathali and Zebulun with you. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to assemble with his chariots and troops against you at the Kishon River, and then I'll help you overcome him. Barak agreed to march, but only on the condition that Deborah accompany him. So did he fear defeat? Was he uncertain his men would follow him against this intimidating army unless the respected judge was present? Perhaps, as a common custom of the day, the army sought the blessing of God's prophet before entering battle. Deborah confronted Barak's hesitation. I'll definitely go with you, however. The path you're taking will not bring honor to you because the Lord will hand over Sisera to a woman. On the day of battle, Deborah had to apply more pressure to Barak. Get up. This is the day that the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? And God delivered Israel as a superior enemy army was destroyed. Sisera fled on foot and was killed by a woman named Jael with a tent pig. Perhaps Barak was downfounded. Here lies Sisera, killed by a woman. Was it here or later? that it occurred to Barak that Deborah's prediction about a woman getting the credit came true. All along, he thought it was Deborah herself that she had meant. But instead, it was Jael, the nomadic wife of Hebrew the Kenite, a lowly tent dweller. All the troops of Sisera were killed, and not a man was left, not even Sisera. 
Israel grew stronger until it completed, completely defeated King Jabin. Doing things with God brings total victory. The Bible tells us that the victory is ours when the battle is the Lord's. God never wins halfway. Jesus never performed half a miracle. God's armies never won half a victory. God never kept half a promise. When God does something, he does it completely. And of all the judges, Deborah is celebrated in the most glowing terms, as described in Judges chapter 5, verse 7, that she arose a mother in Israel. A woman in such a leadership role is very unusual in the Old Testament. But we mustn't view Deborah as some kind of God's last hope since no man volunteered. Because the Bible doesn't rank people by their gifts, weaknesses, or gender. Search the scriptures, and you'll find women who champion their sons, women prophets, queens, financial supporters of Jesus, and deaconesses whom God used significantly to accomplish his will. Today's story emphasizes Deborah's interaction with Barak. While we may see him as weak and reluctant, in all fairness, Barak may have struggled with Deborah's significant position while still placing high confidence in her unmistakable relationship with God. Each person, regardless of social standing or power, is a significant part of God's unfolding purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul teaches us the importance of all spiritual gifts and the completeness found when all the members of the church, the body, are respected and valued. Our task is to learn valuable lessons from these fascinating stories set in a time and culture far removed from our day. Remembering that that culture had many prejudices concerning race and gender. We've come a long way since then. Have we really? When we watch the news and see what's going on in the world today, have we really? Bayrak was a military commander who had specific skills and experience, but he needed an understanding that God defines the purpose of his task, and Deborah provided that clear purpose. Her faith informed his courage so that he acted beyond his fear against a superior military army enemy. Barak discovered his own faith, and he acted on it. The point is not whether Deborah or Barak is the hero. The point is that God loves us, and God can use any of us in distinctive ways to bring hope to our shattered world. In Judges chapter 5, verse 31, the biblical account of Deborah ends with the statement that after the battle, there was peace in the land for 40 years. Deborah ranks among the most famous women in the Old Testament, not only for her wisdom, but Deborah was also known for her courage. She is perhaps the only woman in the Hebrew Bible who gained prominence on her own merit, not because of her relationship to a man. She was truly a remark remarkable. She was a judge a military strategist, a poet, and a prophet. 
Deborah was one of the rulers of the Israelites prior to the period of kings that began with Saul. And these rulers were called judges. So what lessons can we learn from Deborah and Barak in this story? Be obedient. If God is telling you to do something or to go somewhere, despite your fears, listen to his call. God can accomplish great things through people who are willing to be led by him. Wise leaders surround themselves with the right people. Deborah was concerned about her people, not just her success. And whenever people praised her, she acknowledged that all the glory belonged to God. Women can be in godly leadership. Men and women can work together for God, regardless of roles. And this story actually gives us two women to learn from. Deborah teaches us that God most certainly sees women as capable of leading, making judgments between men and their property, and being spiritual teachers. What we also see, though, is that she did not do these things the same way that a man did. The people brought their problems to her. She didn't put herself as the commander of the army, but sanctioned Barak to have that charge. She only went to war at Barak's request. Nowhere is she mentioned in the battle, the chase, or the dealings with Sisera and his army. God gave instructions for her to give to Barak. Jail. Wow. To be as confident as she seemed to be. The timing was God's, and Jail was prepared to act when it arrived at the door. Perhaps we should be as confident in our abilities like Deborah and seize the opportunities like Jail and follow their example in recognizing God's authority and submitting to it. Some today may find it, find it surprising that a woman, not the widow or daughter of a male ruler, could arise as the national chief of a pre-modern nation. But the book of Judges regards her as the greatest of Israel's leaders during this period. Alone among the judges, she is called a prophet or prophetess, indicating how closely she resembles Moses and Joshua to whom God also spoke directly. Neither women, including the undercover agent Jael, nor men, including the commanding general Barak, exhibited any concern about having a female leader. Deborah's service as prophetess, judge of Israel, suggests that God does not regard women's political, judicial, or military leadership as a problem. But what is surprising to me is that the book of Hebrews doesn't even name Deborah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 34, which reads, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Strange, isn't it, that Deborah isn't mentioned, along with this great cloud of witnesses who had faith 
but Barak is. Is the author of Hebrews emphasizing a gender preference for Barak's leadership over Deborah? Or is Barak a beautiful illustration of a person God used to lead despite his obvious flaws? Hebrews 11:33 to 34 highlights the full scope and reasons why these specific men were listed. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. In the midst, in the midst of all the strengths listed, six words stand out, whose weakness was turned to strength. In Barak's defense, he had good reason to be afraid. The enemy had 900 iron chariots. However, this does still not answer the question why Barak is mentioned as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11 and not Deborah. So why would Deborah, a strong woman judge and prophetess, be ignored? She was a strong woman who was placed by God in an influential leadership role. God, who can do anything he wants, can do anything he wants. And he chooses to use people like Barak, people like Jael, people like Deborah, people like us, to do his work. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. God never changes. Yes, the covenant has changed, but God has not. His character remains constant, and his word is fully inspired and accurate from cover to cover. That's why we can read, study, and learn from the Old Testament while keeping a New Testament perspective. And we can thank God that we live today under a new and better way of grace. An important difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the Old Testament shows God's wrath against sin while giving glimpses of his grace. The New Testament shows God's grace towards sinners while giving glimpses of his wrath. The book of Judges gives us an example of a courageously bold woman. Deborah was a judge, prophetess, and a channel of God's mighty military might. Her own military leader desired her presence at his side. We can be inspired by Deborah's story and also be deeply disturbed as it reminds us how much humanity truly needs God. The time of the judges was full of rising and falling, disaster and success, but there's a constant persistence of people forsaking the one true God for a false idol. The book of Judges reveals brokenness of humanity apart from God's spirit interceding. And this clearly shows that what the church needs most today is Jesus' rule and reign. One of the greatest enemies of faith is fear. Fear can cripple and stun the growth of our faith in God. God knows our weaknesses and our natural tendencies. No one is perfect and all of us experience fear, fear. Even the spiritual giants and faithful men of the Bible felt this emotion. The Apostle John stated in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, an antidote to fear. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Love can cast out fear. It's our love for God and our love for our brothers and sisters that will eventually cast out fear from within us. When we are motivated to serve God and help our brothers and sisters, we're strengthened and equipped with the ability to overcome fear. God understands that we will inevitably feel fear. And this is the main reason that God has constantly reminded us from Genesis to Revelation, fear not. Reading the Bible, we'll see numerous passages about encouragement and not being fearful. When we learn to put everything in the hands of God and fully trust him, that's the time when we get rid of fear and let faith reign in our hearts. We must always always remember that every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to be faithful. Eugene H. Peterson, Dave's, Dave Hook's favorite author, writes in The Message, <clears throat> God does and works with us in whatever moral and spiritual condition he finds us. God does some of his best work using the most unlikely people. If God found a way to significantly include these leaders, judges, in what we know is on its way to becoming a glorious conclusion, he can certainly use us, along with our sometimes impossible friends and neighbors. In the book of Judges, at that time, there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. But we Christians know that there was a king in Israel. God was king. And so while the lack of an earthly king accounts for the moral and political anarchy, the presence of the sovereign God, however vaguely realized, means that the reality of the kingdom is never in doubt. We, the church, can never forget where true life comes from. We must remember the prayer that Jesus prayed for his church in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So let us conclude today with the words of Hebrew chapter 13, verse 20 to 21, and may this blessing be our strength in times of fear. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Steve, Vicki. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your incredible love. Thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for your spirit. Help us, Father, just to take what we've heard this morning to apply it to our lives. May we be walking in faith, not in fear. May we, our weakness be turned to strength when we turn to you and let you use us for your honor and glory. And we just pause and just commit the rest of this day and week into your hands. Pray that you would guide us and in turn we would be closer to you 
And in turn, may we honor you in our lives. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.